Uh, greetings, friends, and welcome to our continuing episodes of Fishing Without Bait. If you're hearing my voice, you've stumbled somehow down the rabbit hole and got together with me and my good friend and co-producer, Mr. Mike, yet once again. Uh, fishing Without Bait, what type of a concept is that? What the heck does that mean? Well, uh, as everything in life, everything evolves, transforms, and perhaps uh, finds a new path or a new course of water to, to go by. And in this particular case, uh, when I originally envision fishing without bait a lifetime without definitive expectations i kind of followed the traditional mindfulness type of uh, view the mindfulness type of structure where it's the more zenish type of uh, mindfulness and, and that thing's just wonderful and of course we do pursue that however with fishing without bait it's more of a lifetime without definitive expectations, which means that you're opening your lifetime up to possibilities, to possibilities, Mr. Mike, to possibilities. So sometimes it takes a long time for a person to learn how to ride a bicycle, doesn't it? Indeed. Indeed. And after a while, you do take the training wheels off. So I believe that at this point, we've kind of, we're finding our stride and we're uh, we've taken the training wheels up, and we've moved from that little old Schwinn with the uh, with the horn and the uh, the bell on it to we're, we're developing into we're getting into a ten speed, and we're getting into a sleek ten speed, and we're perhaps getting into shape. Perhaps we're getting ready to go on a marathon. This is a lighter, more agile podcast now because of it. Yes, and most and most certainly. So what we're talking about, we're talking about more of. Uh, a blunt force trauma mindfulness, blunt force, blunt force mindfulness. We're talking about going out as in our previous uh, podcast, Carpe Diem Seize the Day. And tell me, tell me why mindfulness can't be participating in every moment actively, living in every moment, bursting, bursting with that joy, Mike. Tell me, give me a reason, convince me that it can't be. Well, I, I, I can't, because I, I've been sitting around here for about 30 some episodes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so what we're going to talk about, uh, what we're going to talk about today is the title of this podcast is "It's Good to Be Me." Do you ever wake up in the morning, Mike, and think it's good to be me? Mm, yeah. Do you? From time to time, I'm suspecting that most people do not. It takes it, it. It's not often enough, I'm sure, but there are moments. I, I usually have to get through that first cup of coffee before I get to it. <laughs> So what uh, in some of the previous episodes, what we've talked about is blunt force therapy, and we may rename this to blunt force mindfulness. We're talking about decluttering our life. We're talking about identifying the uh, the attachments that are holding us back. We're talking about opening our eyes. We're talking about developing sight, raising the anchor to your life that's holding you back, and finding your base and being good, being good to me. So I picked up a quote by uh, Pablo Picasso, and what he said was that the meaning of life is to find your gift, to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. The purpose of life is to give it away. So I want to I want to delve into this uh, little concept more about it's good to be me. It's good to be me. So so if you would say to yourself, uh, Mike, it's good to be me. What the, what would that mean to you? It's it's good to it's good to be in the position I am. It's appreciating the position that you're in. It's appreciating the the gifts that you've been given or what you've accomplished. So how do you do that? You take an inventory. How do you find out what's in your store? How do you find out what's in your basement? How do you find out what's in your sock drawer? You take an inventory, do you not? 
So what we want to do is take an inventory. We want to take an inventory of our physical health. We want to take an inventory of our spiritual health. We want to take an inventory of our emotional health. We want to we want to take we want to take a personal inventory. So Mike in uh, in the schools now there's a uh, there's a concept that they're they're teaching children and it's called SEAL S E A L and what does that's an acronym for is examining the social social and emotional aspects of learning and do you think that you stopped learning most people think they stopped learning when they stopped either going to high school college or whatever type of and I think the unfortunate people the unfortunate thing is that the people that do think that are the ones that don't move anywhere else in their life and don't grow. That's correct. So sometimes I'll ask people, uh, was there any education beyond high school? And you know what they'll tell me? No. So would you embrace the concept of being a lifetime learner? Would you Would you like to be a lifetime learner, Mike? I, I'd like to be. I hope that I am. So that's what I'm challenging everyone out there to be. I'm challenging everyone out there to be a lifetime learner. I'm challenging everyone out there to examine themselves. Why is it good to be me? Why is it good to be me? So let's let's ask. Let's talk about myself for a little bit. Why is it good to be me? Why would you say it's good to be me, Mike? You know me. Well, I say, well, one, uh, you have a wonderful voice for the radio and the podcasting world. To me, I, I look at you, and you're you're somebody who's uh, has a very professional job that's that's um, you know helping people out. I, I think that 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 chalks you up pretty well there. Thank you, thank you. And what I try to do is participate. I don't I don't want to sit on the sidelines and watch the game. I want to be in it, and that game is being my life. Right. Okay. So. In this, in, we're going to begin to introduce another concept in this episode, and we're going to be continuing in this vein of blunt force mindfulness, and that's a concept called emotional sobriety. I'll talk just a, briefly about it right now. So you've heard of sobriety, you've heard of being clean and sober, all those type of things. There's many, there's many different definitions of it, of course. However, in my own, in my own definition, in my own mind, I term emotional sobriety as when you're being okay with yourself, living life out loud, uh, saying that it's good to be me without the approval of people, places, things, circumstances, and events that we, so that some of us rely on to determine our own self-worth and to determine our own happiness. How often do how often do people out there have to have other people tell them whether they're happy or not? Do I have to call you? Do I call you in the middle of the night and say, "Hey, Mike, I'm not sure whether I'm happy hi, or not." Hi, hi. Am I having a good time here? <laughs> hi, hi. So what? So what? What does that do? So some people have to tune into social media. Some people have to tune into those type of things to determine their own self worth, to determine whether they're with it, to determine whether they're they're in the, the crowd or with uh, what's with what's going on. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You've kind of lost your way. That is not emotional sobriety. Emotional sobriety is being happy who you are. So one of the ways that I would suggest to people that they begin to take this personal inventory and find out how actually good it is to be them is to beginning to understand their own feelings and why and how they lead us to believe behave the way that we do. And, and again, that's first of all what we have to do is be able to label, identify, and describe. And once again, I'm going to go back to this and we keep repeating things. I know that. Get frustrated. I hope you do because if you get frustrated with me, it shows that you have the willingness to try. And again, I'm going to ask you one more time, Mike, why do you name pets? Why do you name pets? 
for emotional attachment for emotional for identification for identification and also it actually it gives you some uh, power and control over it does it not mm-hmm. so if your little your little dog with a lovely little dog uh ran outside and you didn't give it a name what would you do if you went outside to get it Dog, dog, dog. <laughs> right, right. So once again, we'll go back to that huge department store, okay? When when you were a little boy, you were maybe with your father. You got lost. It was Chicago, uh, New York City, Houston, Texas, uh, Beijing, China, uh, in a huge uh, department store, and you you got lost. How would your father feel? How would your father have felt? He'd felt, he'd felt anxious, fearful, depressed, worried. And how would you feel as a six-year-old little boy in a play in a absolutely completely unfamiliar lost and scared lost and scared absolutely so and again I know I'm repeating myself if some store personnel would come to your father and say could you accurately label and describe your son tell me everything about him what is he wearing his height his body type his hair color his name his what color are his eyes does he have any uh, identifiable marks on him I'll bet your father could have done that which could have led you, help you find them. Okay? So, however, if he would said, gee, I'm not sure, you would have both remained lost, fearful, and afraid. So, in the same token, if we're not able to accurately label and describe our emotions, thoughts, and feelings, they're lost in that department store, and we walk through our life being fearful and anxious. Fearful and anxious. And when you're accurately being able to label and describe what's going on with you without attachments to other things determining that happiness or worth, then that's emotional sobriety, and then it's good to be you. And remember, being good to be you doesn't mean that there's not going to be days that aren't aren't wonderful. Every day you're not going to be riding a unicorn with uh, throwing rainbows and butterflies out to the wonderful people that you meet on your path every day. Okay? But being good it's good to be me. Being able to sit back and saying it's good to be me is being able to participate in those times of life without being overwhelmed and being able to respond rather than react to those situations. That's what I'm talking about is the mindfulness aspect of it. Being able to sit back and reflect on yourself and say, how am I handling this and how can I, how could I handle it better in the future? How, how good is it to be me? How good is it to be me? And my hope is that when we go outside and we participate in life and we take those breaths, remember, Mike, when we talked about that, when we did that, am I alive check-in, when we close our eyes and we close them very tightly and open them up and imagine it's the first time we ever saw or hold our breath and then take that first breath and it's the first breath we've ever taken, the first time we've ever had, the first time we've ever heard, that's being alive. And how good is it to be you? How good is it to be you? And that's my challenge out there for everyone. We're going to continue this conversation on It's Good to Be Me. We're going to be talking about emotional sobriety. And we're talking going to be talking about blunt force mindfulness. We're going to be talking about being in the moment and grabbing it, releasing the octopus tentacles of attachments in your life and being yourself and being you. Mike, it's good to be me. Until next time, thank you so much. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutfaith.com, where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. Fishing Without Bait is a production of Namaste Holistic Counseling, PC.